Today we're going to turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. I'm going to read from verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep, to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shearer so opened he not his mouth in his humiliation his judgment was taken away and who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth and the eunuch answered Philip and said I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptised? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptised him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Amen. In our passage, there's a man by the name of Philip, who, according to chapter 6 and verse 5, was one of seven men who were chosen to minister to those who were in need in the church in Jerusalem. Also, according to chapter 21, verse 8, Philip was an evangelist, which means that even though he was not an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was nevertheless appointed by God to proclaim salvation from sin through faith in Jesus. That is, of course, something that all Christians should be engaged in as the Lord opens up doors of utterance to them in their communities, in their schools and in the workplace. 
all Christians ought to have a heart for evangelism and telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ and his cross. We shall consider Philip in his work as an evangelist. Also in this passage there is a man whose name is not even given but we are informed in verse 27 that he is a eunuch of great authority under the queen of the Ethiopians. First of all, look again at verses 26 through to 28 in chapter 8. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot read read Isaiah the prophet. Just prior to being instructed or commanded by God to head towards the desert, Philip had enjoyed great evangelistic success in Samaria. Look at verses 5 through to 8 in chapter 8. Verses 5 through to 8. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. It sounds like there was considerable success in that crusade in um, Samaria. Then the divine command came forth for Philip to go to the desert. I wonder if Philip was quietly asking himself, why the desert after such a successful time of evangelism in Samaria? It probably didn't make a lot of sense to him. He would have had no idea that he was about to meet an important Ethiopian official in the middle of nowhere and lead him to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, in obedience, Philip went to the desert. Christians may well ask, why? Why is God leading me in this direction? However, you need to remember that as God puts it himself... In Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 8 through 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God sees the whole picture, whereas we see what? We see little or nothing. You do not have God's foresight, but what you can and must do is submit to his perfect will, knowing that he is working all things out in his infinitely wise and wonderful way 
for those who are already trusting in his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for those who will come to faith in Jesus, and most of all, God is working things out for his glory. That's the most important thing, the glory of God. That can become apparent in the most unlikely times. For example, I've got a couple of examples here in my own life really where I could have questioned what's going on here but, um, and it's good to look back afterwards and see how God is working out his purposes. For example, when I lived in India years ago, what was I doing, going or coming? Going back to India from a holiday in England um, we, we were supposed to change our flight in Damascus, in Syria. The flight was cancelled in Damascus, Damascus. No reasons were given. We found out that the flight had been commandeered or the aeroplane had been commandeered to take Syrians on their vacations and we were just stranded in the airport. Anyway, a self-appointed spokesman from our flight he demanded that uh, something be done for us. So we were put up in a hotel overnight. I found myself being accommodated with two complete strangers in a hotel room in Damascus. But I tell you something, that made for some amazing gospel opportunities. As we sat there playing cards and talking with each other and obviously what do you do for a living, what do you do and what do I do and the opportunity arose for me to talk to them about Jesus and there was another occasion when I was on a long journey in India, I say long, we're talking about a two hour two hours, what am I talking about a two day long train journey two whole days if you can imagine it Now, I really didn't know what I was doing at this... I went to the main station to get my train ticket. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I didn't know the procedures. I didn't know how the bureaucracy works or anything. And it's all a bit sketchy, the details of it now. But all I do know is that my train was due to leave. And uh, I basically jumped on the train. I didn't have the right ticket for the journey. I jumped on the train and sat down. And in the middle of the night, the ticket inspector came round the train and he came through my carriage, he checked my ticket and he turfed me off at the next station in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, pitch black. I didn't have a clue where I was. I thought, well, what am I going to do? I can't stay here. And as the train began to chug away, I jumped back on. That's what I did. I got back on that train. But I jumped on the third class. And my goodness, when I got on that carriage, I couldn't move. I couldn't even stand on both feet. It was so packed with people in the third class. I was standing there on one foot. I couldn't even get both feet on the ground. And I stood like that, squashed like a sardine in a can, for quite a long time. And then after uh, some time... People slid over on a bench, a wooden bench, and gave me a bit of space to sit down. And I half sat on the bench and half off it. And I had, every, I had people just staring at me as they do in India. 
and it's all quite innocent. You wouldn't like it if you were paranoid, but I was used to it. And I had a bag full of Bible tracts. And I passed the tracts round, and it was wonderful. There were people sitting in luggage racks, sitting in the most unlikely places, squashed together, reading Bible tracts in that carriage. I tell you, I wouldn't have changed that for the world, seeing those people reading the Word of God. I'd never expected that. I'd never, never could have dreamt that one up. What a wonderful evening that was. Very precious opportunity to distribute the Word of God. So we really never know what God has got in store for us when we belong to Jesus, um, what, what he has for us um, by way of proclaiming the riches of his grace. Let's have a look at verse 29 now in Acts chapter 8. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. In John chapter 3 and verse 8, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to a Pharisee said, The wind bloweth where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. As we shall see, the wind was blowing in the direction of an unsuspecting Ethiopian eunuch somewhere in the desert. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship as a Jew, but very soon, by the grace of God, he would come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Philip was instructed by the Holy Spirit to go near and join himself to the chariot. It's clear that the meeting that had not yet taken place had been planned by God in advance and it would take place in God's perfect time. There was no possibility that Philip would be killed by a venomous snake or that he would be robbed and left for dead, or that he would be buried in an avalanche of sand. Neither would the devil or his demons succeed in frustrating God's plan for that Ethiopian eunuch. Philip was most certainly going to join himself to the chariot and speak to that man about the Lord Jesus Christ and his cross. The eunuch was reading out aloud, We see that, we've seen that already in verse 28. Was returning and sitting in his chariot and he read Isaiah the prophet. He was reading out loud. We can only guess why that was. Perhaps he was reading out loud so that his servants would be able to hear the word of God. Maybe reading out aloud helped him to remember what he was reading. One thing's for sure and that is that God the Holy Spirit used that perfectly normal practice of reading out loud to carry out his will, which was to save the eunuch from his sin. What the eunuch was reading at the time dictated how the conversation between him and Philip would proceed and would unfold. When Philip asked the eunuch, understandest thou what thou readest, the reply that he received 
confirmed that he did not understand. It's no great surprise that the eunuch did not understand what he was reading. An unconverted person is not able to plumb the depth or even scratch the surface of what is written in the Word of God. After all, the Bible is God's book. It, scripture is God-breathed. God breathes down his Word upon the pages of our Bibles. As it is written in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. As one of the commentators has said, you might as well try to describe a sunset to a blind man, play music for a deaf man, talk to a dead man, as to discuss the deep things of God with an unconverted sinner. As far as spiritual realities are concerned, a man who is not born again is blind, he cannot see. He is deaf and cannot hear. He is dead and cannot feel. There are millions of people in cults, such as the Jehovah's Witnesses, who despite reading the Bible, probably reading the Bible a lot more than some of us in here, they hold to unbiblical doctrine and they are blind to the truth. People who read the Bible, they knock on your door with a Bible in their hand and yet they are blind to spiritual truth. They simply do not see Jesus for who he is. God manifest in the flesh. Even all of you born again Christians ought to prayerfully look to the indwelling Holy Spirit to give you understanding and to teach you when you read the word of God or when you hear it being preached. That's a lesson I learnt years ago to, to say a quick prayer to God before I, I read my Bible. That puts me in the right frame of mind that I'm looking to God to give me the understanding of his word. The fact is that there are some highly questionable, if not heretical, interpretations of Bible passages that are preached from church pulpits, such as theistic evolution, which teaches that everything has evolved under the guidance of God. You'll hear that more and more being preached from church pulpits these days. Another one of the big errors that is taught from the pulpit and practiced in many churches must surely be infant baptism. Again, it's a misunderstanding of the word of God. Let's have a look at verses 30 through to 34. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, 
so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet, this of himself or of some other man? The scripture that the eunuch was reading is a prophecy from about 700 years before Jesus came into the world and it can be found in Isaiah chapter 53 verses 7 and 8. It was read to us earlier by Les. Not only those verses but the whole of Isaiah 53 is about someone who suffers as an innocent and willing sacrifice for sin. Again, it's clear from verse 34 in our passage, as it is in verse 31, that the Ethiopian eunuch had no meaningful understanding of what he was reading with regards who was led as a sheep to the slaughter and how the text applied to him. We can all read the Bible, but we completely miss out on what the Bible is really saying, the spiritual truth, and how it applies to us. The grace of God would soon reveal in the heart of the eunuch that the one who suffered unto death as a sacrificial lamb is none other than the incarnate Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did so, he suffered unto death when he was wounded for the eunuch's transgressions and when he was bruised for that eunuch's iniquities. Let's have a look at verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. The verses that the eunuch was reading may well have been read by a rabbi when he went to worship in Jerusalem in the temple and maybe on that occasion it had no impact on him whatsoever. But now, God the Holy Spirit was about to use Isaiah 53 with saving power as Philip preached unto him Jesus. Verses 36 and 37 And as they went on their way, they they came unto a certain water and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptised? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. In verse 36, the eunuch asked Philip, What doth hinder me to be baptised. We needn't think of it as an important person trying to exercise authority over Philip or trying to apply pressure on Philip to baptise him. Rather, he was simply saying, if I do not qualify for baptism yet, I'll wait. However, if I do qualify, then please baptise me. He wanted to be baptised. It's as simple as that. Clearly the eunuch wanted to be baptised as soon as possible, even in the middle of nowhere. 
Presumably Philip had spoken to him on the subject of baptism, perhaps at the end of his gospel message. In verse 37, Philip responded to the eunuch's questions with the words, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Philip wanted to be sure as possible that the eunuch really had received from God a saving faith in Jesus. The eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What about you? Do you believe that the one who was led as a lamb, as a sheep to the slaughter, when he was nailed to a wooden cross, bearing away sin, is Jesus Christ the Son of God? And most crucially for you, do you believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was wounded for your transgressions and that he was bruised for your iniquities when he was led as a sheep to the slaughter? Profound but very simple questions. For a moment, never mind the unit, what about you? Let's have a look at verses 38 through to 39. And he commanded the chariot to stand still and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch and he baptised him. And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. In Matthew chapter 3 verse 16, it is written that Jesus, when he was baptised, went up straight away out of the water. Similarly, it's written in our passage that they, that's the, the Philip and the eunuch, went down both into the water and they were come up out of the water. That clearly indicates that the eunuch was baptised by being immersed in water and not simply having a few drops of water sprinkled on his head. Also, when you consider that baptism followed the eunuch's confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, I trust you will see what complete nonsense it is for babies or any other unbelieving people to be baptised. Equally, it can be seen that baptism is to be carried out on all who do believe. Without delay. I don't know why we wait so long. What are we actually waiting for? I know the answer to that. We wait. When someone makes a profession of faith in Jesus, we wait to see if it is for real. If it's the real deal. And the, How long do we wait? Weeks? Months? Years? That's not how it was in the early church. What are we scared of? And as a pastor, I have baptised people who have later gone back into the world. So be it. I still don't see any, any teaching in the New Testament for us to be waiting. And so I would say that if there is anyone in here who is a Christian, who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, 
You believe that he was wounded for your transgressions, that he was bruised for your iniquities. If you're not baptised, then get baptised. Come and see me. We haven't had a baptismal service for quite some time in this church. I would love to baptise anyone who is a Christian and who is not yet baptised. And to God be the glory. It's clearly taught that you are to be baptised if you are a Christian, if you believe in Jesus. It's not an option and it's not something that you hang on, that people, maybe mums and dads, whoever, hang on and see how it goes. The Bible doesn't give you that uh, authority. In Mark chapter 16, verse 16, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptised shall be saved. We tend to ignore the and is baptised bit, don't we? Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptised shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, Jesus said, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Last of all in this passage, we can see in verse 39 that the Ethiopian eunuch went on his way rejoicing. He went on his way rejoicing. I wonder why he was rejoicing. Can anyone tell me why he would have been rejoicing? It's pretty easy actually. It's an easy one to answer that. The answer is obvious. He had just been baptised, having believed that Jesus Christ the Son of God, sacrificially laid down his life, bearing away his sins. That's why he was rejoicing. That would have been the happiest day of his life. He had every reason to rejoice. We'll finish with some application for us. The passage does not deal explicitly with repentance. However, the Ethiopian eunuch, as someone who had just received saving faith in the Son of God, believing that Jesus carried his sins as a sheep to the slaughter, his heart would have most certainly been filled with a God-given repentance as well as a God-given faith. The two go together. As such, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 the Apostle Peter, preaching to a crowd of Jews on the day of Pentecost, said, Repent and be baptised, every one of you. He didn't say believe, he said repent. But the two go together. They would have repented and, and believed and been baptised. Again, there wouldn't have been a month, two months, a year's delay either. Repent of your rebellion against God and his holy laws, whoever you are. Trust in Jesus, the Son of God, as your substitute sin bearer. Avail of the tremendous grace of water baptism and rejoice in your great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, forevermore. Amen.